Hey everybody, we are going to get into the episode in just a moment. But I wanted to start with a cold open this week for a couple of reasons. The first, and the lesser of the two, is to tell you that we have a brand new intro tune. If you like the, the song that we play at the start and at the end, don't worry, it's going to be at the end. But we have a brand new intro for the beginning. It's what I envisioned the intro being from the start. It comes courtesy of a commission from a company called Dara Sounds, from a guy called Mike. I gave him a brief, he knocked it out of the park, I absolutely love it, and he did it really quickly as well as professionally. So if you're looking for an intro, a jingle, a piece of music of this nature, cannot recommend them enough. Dara Sounds and Mike, absolutely ace job with this. I've actually had it for a little while now, a few weeks, and I wanted to use it properly. I wanted to use it. I didn't want to just throw it in. I wanted to have it included for a, a reason, for a special episode or something. I wanted to save it for a purpose. And this is the perfect time to use it, which brings me to the second reason for this cold opening. Recently, very suddenly, and to great shock, we lost a family friend. A really good friend and bandmate of my wife passed away. But more to the point, a really decent, kind-hearted, sweet person passed away. I knew Vince for like the span of a cup of coffee. I can count on two hands how many times I've met and hung out and interacted with him. But on every occasion, every occasion, without exception, from the first to the last, he treated me with nothing but friendliness, kindness, and openness. And let me tell you, I don't know if you have much experience in terms of moving somewhere new, in particular to a new country, when you're having to readjust, you feel like you're rebuilding, you're resetting things from scratch. But I will tell you this, that kind of kindness, that kind of openness, that kind of warmth, that kind of acceptance when you are having to readjust, when you are rebuilding from the ground up, it makes a huge, huge difference. So I wanted to take a second to acknowledge that, to firmly acknowledge that. You know, moving here has not been the easiest thing. Been a lot of things to get used to. It's been a lot of navigation. But it really helps when you have people that are sincere and genuine and kind to that degree. That level of kindness and warmth and acceptance. You know, it's a rare, rare, rare commodity. And it seems even rarer at the moment. So, yeah, I, I just, for what it's worth, I just wanted to say thank you to Vince. For being himself. And for making me feel welcome. And so on that note, I want to crack open a cold one. And I want to raise it up. This one's for you, Vince. Cheers, mate. for an intro absolutely loving that absolutely loving it hope you guys are too i know it's not gonna be for everyone 
Some people are going to be like, oh my god, what is that? But you know what? You can always scrum forward. If you really, really don't like it that much, because you're stuck with it, I'm going to be honest, I'm not changing it. That's staying. So if you really, really don't like it, you're just going to have to scrum forward. But hey, that's, that's your choice, you know? Um, <laughs> granted, it does have the ability to just knock new listeners off listening further, but mm, you know what? I, I, whatever. I'm just going to stick with it. It's staying. Um, hopefully you do like it, though. If you don't, I honestly don't care. <laughs> Even if I say so myself, which I do, this episode is great and you're going to love it. You know why? It's because I'm talking to one of my all-time besties. I'm talking to an absolute diamond of a person, an absolute lad. And I just want to say this, actually, because I've been meaning to for a while now. When I start the show and I say, all right, lads, I'm not talking specifically to men at all. I'm not talking to boys. I'm talking to everyone. Everybody is a lad. It is. so. Yeah, I don't know how much you know about British culture from a certain period, but there was a thing called lad culture, and I think it still exists. I don't know. I haven't touched it for a long time. Haven't been anywhere near it. Haven't checked upon it. Don't care about it. Never have done. But it's kind of like my attempt to just take that away from the stupidity of toxic masculinity. And yes, I just used that phrase because guess what? It exists and it's shit. So I'm trying to take that away and include everybody as a lad. We're all lads. Men, women, we're all lads. We're all lads together. We're all lads listening. We're all lads learning. So yeah, if you were wondering, why does he keep just talking to boys? I'm not. I'm really, really not talking to everyone because this is an all-inclusive spaceship and everyone's welcome. Anyway, this episode is going to be great. As I said, I'm talking to one of my all-time besties. It's my sister from another mister. It's somebody I love genuinely and sincerely. And we're talking about a whole range of interesting and ace stuff. From the economic structure of Animal Crossing, and me trying to wrap my head around what Animal Crossing even is, to wicker rituals, to the preconceptions of pole dance fitness. Yeah, it's quite the smorgasbord, so dig in. I'm not going to waste any more time. This is it. This is me talking to Gina, and I know you're going to enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Like, how, how's your week been? Let's, let's consolidate it. Let's, let's narrow the lens. How's this last week been? So it's been quite good. I've been, like, doing my work, doing a bit of exercise, and then... By the time I've done that, it's been the evening, so I've just been like watching things or reading or gaming, just whatever I feel like in that moment. You've been, you've been, um, you've been on the animal. What is it? It's Animal Crossing. I almost called it Animal Planet, but that's not right. Yeah, Animal Crossing. What What is the basic con? Because like this is this is where I, I'm just out the loop with a number of things. Um, animal Crossing being one of them. I have a vague idea. You set up an island. And there's animals on it and you can you can barter goods and stuff like that. I'd say it's kind of like the Sims in the sense that you can build things and create things. Mm-hmm. But in Sims, whereas you can do things like to work towards your career goal and you go through different levels, there's nothing like that. But I find playing it just really helps me relax. Um, I've heard character- this. The characters are quite cute and you just do things like basic things like um, you'll do fishing or catch bugs or um, you'll collect like minerals like rock and stones and iron ore to make things. You can just 
you can go and visit other people's islands. Um, it's it's not that it's like mind blowing like <laughs> gameplay with like a really in depth story. It's not, but I think with everything that's been going on as well, especially it's just been such a nice escapism because you can almost just pick it up and just get lost in it for hours just making your island look adorable by planting flowers or see i i I get that because the thing is with games games have such a multi-dimensional purpose in the Hmm. sense that they can obviously outside of motor skill improvement like hand-eye coordination response time um, they are just absolutely fantastic as being a, a narrative platform for long-form storytelling that you can't even really get in TV shows because you can stretch a, a story with multiple narrative arcs and twists um, across such a, a long section. I mean, you look at something like Red Dead 2, like I think I put almost 100 hours into that over the course of time, and that felt like such a, an expansive, immersive game. But mm-hmm. games can also be, as you say, just like sheer escapism and not just in terms of escaping into a story as you would do with, with books or films or TV, but just complete detachment. Like one of my favorite things, and this is something that is really good for my mental health, mm-hmm. is just I will turn the sound down on a game and I will just like listen to stuff whilst playing through games, like really rudimental, simple games. Weirdly enough, sports games. I like my go-to. I will because you're just focusing on each match of whatever you're playing, each season as you progress. But you just kind of your focus is is like narrowed into that, and yeah. it's, it's just as they say, detachment, and you're listening to something else. It's just a really good way of just kind of creating a little vacuum for yourself. Where yeah, it's like, we, this we, is all I'm concerned <clears throat> with at the minute. We tend to do that, so we both have switches. Um, so sometimes we'll just put like um, a podcast on YouTube and listen to that. Mm-hmm. I'll be playing Animal Crossing and Kyle will be playing either Pokemon or Football Manager. And it's just nice, like, because sometimes you do just need that time to just chill out and get lost in something and just relax. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, but like I said, it's not it's not like it's a, a, a gripping story. It's just... I think the repetition of doing things really helps me with my anxiety and yeah. just knowing I've got that little place, it sounds tough, but that little no. island, I can control what happens there. Right. And that's the thing. At a moment when everybody's kind of lost a great sense of control and structure, um, I can kind of really understand why people have gravitated towards a game that sort of offers that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a character in there called Tom something, right? And he's a, he's a shop owner, and apparently he's, he's a bit of a thieving bastard, by all right. accounts. Who is this? So, who is this Tom? So Tom Nook is the person who. That's him. He's basically owns the company that made you made the come up with the idea of people moving to this island. Mm-hmm. So he'll build a house for you, but it costs like loads of money. But you don't all ha- you don't have to pay it back straight away. Like you can take as long as you want to pay it back, but I think people have a lot of issues with how much you charge. It's like I may I had my house built and then I wanted to upgrade it so it had all the rooms in it. Mm-hmm. And when I did my last upgrade for the final room, it was like two million bells or something. Well, hang on, is that the currency of Animal Crossing? Bells. Yeah, bells. Yeah. So I was like, this seems like a lot just for like an extra room, and uh, 
I was a bit angry, but then I just thought, right, well, what I need to do is get my Nook Miles tickets and because right so listen there's basically collect nook miles for doing certain tasks and these nook miles can be used to spend on things so you can buy a ticket to go and visit another island okay so it's kind of like frequent flyer miles yeah basically um but there's like an island that it doesn't pop up all the time because the islands you visit are random. So you'll go to a different island each time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an island that you go to and it's really specific because you have to play the game between either, I think it's between seven at night and three in the morning. It'll only crop up during this time and it's basically called Tarantula Island. Oh, and it's okay. Like, it's, it's terrifying because I don't like spiders and the way they've animated <laughs> them in the game is freaky, but you've got if you go to this island and catch like because you have like a certain amount of slots in your pocket to put things in if you fill your pocket with tarantulas you are going to get pure bells for that like they 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 cash in you will they cash you in a lot of money like so it's terrifying to catch them but you can get a decent payout and we're talking like nearly a million bells for getting like a pocket full of tarantulas (laughs) I feel I feel like you're not even talking about an in-game currency. I feel like bells has just become like a slang term for actual money. Like, oh, he's got pure <laughs> bells. Look at him. <laughs> but now they've changed it. So they changed the bugs and the fish you get, depending on the seasons. So I've not seen a tarantula for ages, but I've seen a scorpion and I've caught a couple of them. Because if you don't catch them, they like bite you. So you pass out and faint and you have to start again. It sounds very dangerous. It's it's not. It's just the way they run at you freaks me out. So, so, so sometimes I'll I'll be like there with my little net in the game about uh-huh. to catch a tarantula. So there's a way to do it. There's like a method to do it. You have to like stealthily walk towards them. And if they go back on their like back legs and stand up slightly, you have to stand mm-hmm. still until they put the legs down. And then you just basically do that until you're close enough to catch them. So that's the trick. But if you if you misjudge that, oh, when they run at you, I always scream, even though it's in the game. I'm like, oh, like, it's horrible. Is is the tarantula the most valuable thing? Is is that the thing that you can get the most bells for? I'm not sure if it's the most valuable thing, but it definitely is one of the most valuable things you can catch. Um, I got quite a lot of money for the Scorpio. I can't, the scorpion. Is the Scorpio. You just you're just scorpion. hunting people buying astrological signs and trading them in. <laughs> yeah, I just caught a oh. scorpio. I've got quite a lot of money for it. Don't, don't go after Virgos, mate. They're not worth the bells. Um and there's some fish as well you can catch that are quite rare that they can get you quite a bit of money. I caught it. The only thing is though, right, so this is one of my beefs about Animal Crossing. Okay. Let it let it go. Let, let it let it fly out. Let your rage be heard. So you have this museum on the island that's run by Blathers, the owl. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's just a nickname for some guy down the pub. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it was, were you in last night? Yeah, Blathers was, was uh, talking shite again. Talking about his conspiracy theories. You know how Blathers is. But basically, he has this museum. and he, So he has like... Um, a bug section, a fish section, and then like a fossil section. So like dinosaurs and things like that. Um, 
So every time you catch a new bug or fish, you can't just sell it. You've got to take it to Blavers because he's got to complete his like museum and the collection that's there, which is really frustrating because I caught a, a, a great white shark the other day. Bloody hell. And I know I would have got a lot of money for that, but I couldn't, I couldn't cash it in because I had to give it to Blavers. So am I going to catch another great white shark? Because if I'm not, I'm going to be fuming. But think about this. You know, you are contributing towards widespread marine education across the islands, you know, and that's a good yeah. thing. But sometimes but, in Nook's Cranny, which is the shop run by Tommy and Timmy Nook. Of, of course it is. They have, they have things in there that cost quite a lot of bells. Like today it was a, a like an arcade game. Like a, oh, like like a cabinet. Um, well, and well, no. Let me tell you about the pinball machine I bought from there the other week. <laughs> and here's what here's another thing. Let me tell you, I was in that bloody nook's cranny. No, do you know how much they charged me for it? I had to buy it because I felt like I'm, oh, I'm in the moment now. If I say no, I'm gonna think I'm a cheapskate, so I had to buy it. But it was seventy five thousand bells. It's a lot of bells for a pinball machine. Now I know from looking online that they cost about three grand. So where's he getting his prices from? That does seem like a bit of a price hike. And maybe this is why I've been hearing that he's a bit of a thief. Well, no, that's not even him. That's his two um that's oh. two people he's taught business to, Timmy and this, Tommy. This, this, are they also are they are they his children? Is no. this like a family dynasty? I What's going they, on? I'm not sure how they know him. They're not related to him, I know that much. But still, it's not the point. 75,000 bells. Um, how, how exactly do you make bells on the island? Um, so that, that's something I'm curious. Like the, the economic structure of this game is something that has just interested me. So you make bells by selling things. So you'll, you live on this island that has, like, you can, you'll get money from selling fish and bugs you catch and any fruit. Tarantulas. Um, tarantulas, Scorpios. <laughs> sure <laughs> um and then you can um you can make furniture as well and get money from that so you can take oh. it in the shop and you'll get money for that or okay. you can exchange your nook miles for bells tickets which get you which you can cash in for actual bells um yeah so there's there's a few so, ways tom know. tom no is he just a store owner or is he sort of some kind of om, omnipotent sort of um dictator that that rules over all the islands no he don't rule over the island he just kind of like he owns the island and people are paid to live on the island so he's just there in like resident services so he'll help with anything if you're unsure mm-hmm. um if you want to speak to him about like um building a bridge on the island or changing something he's the person you go to um and then you've got isabel who works in resident services as well and she's more about like um the overall impression of the island so she'll look after the feedback from the islanders so you can check in to see if people are happy whether they need more decoration or more nature things like trees or flowers um and you can obviously go to her as well like if there's an islander who you're not particularly happy with you can go and say to her well want to talk to you about truffles well what's she done but you only get two options like you don't like something she said or you don't like the way she dresses and it's like well I've done both of them well hang on that is that is an option that you can complain to basically the PR slash HR department of the islands about what someone has said which is a fair critique 
um, and, and a fair complaint to put forward. Mm-hmm. But the way someone dresses is an option that you can complain yeah. about. Like, what don't you like about truffles? And it's like the way she dresses. Oh, so I, think I don't know if I happens, like that. I think what happens then is Isabel talks to the character. You obviously don't see that happen. Yeah. And the character changes the way they dress to be a bit more presentable or whatever. But oh, I, don't, I don't know if I like that. That's a bit, bit of a totalitarian regime going on there you know coming in and suppressing truffles is is right to it to wear <laughs> like a green cardigan or whatever she's wearing as a whole the game seems quite nice and quite good but i, yeah, I, 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 it's I, adorable. I don't know if i like the the, the, the clothes policy i don't, don't know if i like the idea that you know you can basically be told to stop wearing that wear this instead <laughs> I think there's a there's definitely an issue there that needs to be addressed. Um, yeah, Animal Crossing. I wanted to talk to you about uh, Wicca because I see that this is something that you have. I mean, I don't know how long you've been into this. I don't know how long you've been actively learning more about it, but this is something that I have seen recently that you have have been delving into recently from my perspective. As I say, this may be something you've had an interest or or, or leaning towards for a while. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that, how long you've been interested in sort of investigating deeper into that and, and what it is that's brought you to do so. Um, so I'd say I've always been interested in it since I was like a teenager, but I would say for about just over a year now, I've been reading a bit more into it and, um, looking, cause the thing with the wicker is it's like almost like a, just, it covers so many aspects of that particular path. Yeah. Okay. So just, just to, not to cut you off, but for those of you who don't know what Wicker is, what is like, how would you describe it to somebody that is, and, and I am very much, I have an idea, but it's more of a perception. Like it's not something I've looked into, but it's it's kind of like a, a thinly sketched perception of what it is about. But if you were to, to encounter someone, which, you know, hopefully with this, you will do encounter somebody who has no idea what it is about and you can kind of talk to them as a blank canvas uh, what would you how would you describe what wicker is yeah so wicker is basically like a pagan witchcraft but it focuses more on like the changing of the seasons and the natural earth and the energies around you like you can you don't have to but you can follow certain gods and goddesses who are also known as deities in wicker religion mm. um but you don't have to. The idea is is that everything's got a light and a dark side. There's feminine and masculine. So you kind of embrace all those aspects. Um, but for me, it's more about, I'm what they call a house slash green wicker. So it's more, for me, it's more about using things in my house to make it feel safer and warmer and protected. And also using like certain things in my cooking to help with things so there's like certain herbs and spices you can use that help get rid of like 
feeling a bit negative or lethargic or if you want someone to feel a bit positive about something there's certain things you can use within that and the idea is is that it's not just the herbs you're using but the intention that you're using them with kind of puts that energy into something mm-hmm. and then obviously the, the idea is that it then kind of helps someone or makes the atmosphere feel like clear of negativity and things like that so so would it be a fair thing to say that it incorporates a sense of sort of alternative medicine in a way? I would say so, yeah. But I'd also say from a lot of the reading I've been doing that no, like, not even like a staunch wicker would say don't believe in science or don't go to the doctor or just use crystals or just use this. They would always say these are just like a guide and it's just it's it's like simple things so like if you've got um if you've got heartburn for example you wouldn't mm. just necessarily take a spoon of like gaviscon or whatever you might just have a peppermint tea mm-hmm. it's just using like a natural substitute for things sometimes but you did with like we would always say like if it's something that's really serious or especially if it's anything to do with mental health use these things as a way to help you relax or guide you but please go and naturally see like a doctor or something like I wouldn't I wouldn't turn around to someone who's sleep who's suffering from like insomnia and go oh here I've made you a little sleep pillow that you put inside your pillowcase mm-hmm. It'll is, that help a, is that a thing yeah I've actually made one so it's a basically just a bit of fabric that you put fresh lavender rosebuds and chamomile flowers in and then you just stitch it up and you put it inside your pillowcase. And it's more to do with the scent. So it's like the aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the smell helps you relax and fall asleep a bit quicker. And it does help. But obviously, if you was having problems sleeping in the, like for a really long time, there's nothing natural, really, that might that will be able to help you unless you take it extensively and like in excess, which isn't good with a lot of natural things because they can make you feel sick. Well, I imagine it's like a, like everything, you know, it, it's good in, in moderation and, and with, you know, like responsible uh, accountability with, with taking it. So it's it seems to me, and, and again, I am coming completely from, from a, a place of, of naivety and, and sort of layman's um, viewpoint, um, that it's not exactly a substitute, like a full flat out swapped out lifestyle. It's, it's like a, uh, a sort of a sort of supplement of sorts yeah and not not in the, not in the sense of, of like a supplement that you would take like a vitamin <clears> supplement <throat> but it's, it's kind of like an addition so it's, it's kind of like a like an alternative pathway that you can incorporate as well as traditional yeah so I think as, as well it's all about like intention as well and um and kind of like because people like use the word magic or spell a lot or ritual mm-hmm. and to a certain extent yeah they are but they're not in the sense that you know I'm sat in front of a cauldron burning stuff and right all of that sometimes it can just be a ritual of like it would just be it it would just be like someone saying to you like if you'd been a bit stressed out mm-hmm. and you wasn't sleeping well it would just be you know, my advice would be maybe look into like a bedtime ritual. So something that you do every day that kind of gets you into that frame of mind to relax. So it could be that you do 10 minutes of meditation and then listen to a podcast 
with a face mask on for mm. half an hour or it could be okay um, when it gets to like nine o'clock have some peppermint tea do a bit of reading think about like writing down maybe how your day's been to get rid of any stress and then thinking about what your intentions are for the following day so mm. looking at what you maybe haven't done or you've overlooked because you've been low on energy and thinking okay tomorrow I'm going to set these as my intentions and I'm going to try and do this this and this mm-hmm. and then it just helps you go to bed with a bit of a clearer mind but it's not magic in the traditional sense it's just kind of changing the way you think about things a little bit I guess and also like the one of the reasons I'm drawn to it so much is because I like acknowledging the change of the seasons and for me a big part of it is tarot cards like I always find I get a really good reading when I do tarot cards but tarot cards are really personal to that person because Mm -hmm. it's if you get a tarot deck you have to really like it sounds daft when you say it to someone who doesn't do it but you kind of have to spend time with them so it can get the deck can get used to your energies and it can get used to you and then you if you're buying a deck for the first time, you need to do something called interviewing your deck. So there's set questions you can ask. Mm-hmm. So you can see where the strengths lie in this particular deck of cards and where its weaknesses lie. So say, for example, my first set of cards is the, um, I think it's called the Raider Waits or Rider Waits tarot cards. And it's like they're the, bog standard ones that most people will have heard of they're like people have been using them for years I've been using them a lot longer than I have my new set and I find I get really good answers with that but the new set I've got find a good for like um quick readings I want to do so if I want to do a one card reading or a three card reading I get a better response from that one than I do doing short readings with my normal deck but if I want to do a more in-depth spread that's the one I'll use because I feel I get better results with that um, I've, got, I've got to ask and, and this is this is my skepticism um, seeping in because mm-hmm. this is the thing as much as I want to encourage um, I, I also don't want to um, deny my own feelings about certain things personally I have never really kind of invested in, in that or, or found any sense of belief and that stems from my lack of spirituality um Mm -hmm. from a personal standpoint but do you genuinely feel that you get something from from tarot cards and that they actually work in in the way that they're supposed to for me they do yeah like I said like with that particular deck there's been times when I've thought something's something's not quite feeling right and whether it's the process of doing it or not helps my mind get a bit clearer I don't know but I've always found when I've tried to figure out what's rubbing me up the wrong way or what's on my mind but I can't quite make out what it is when I've done a tarot spread I've always felt that I've got the answer and it's always and it's always just clicked and I've gone that's what it is that's what's bothering me and then I've been able to work out what I need to do to stop that from coming up constantly so Mm. I think it helps give me clarity in that sense um but I wouldn't for one second think it's something that everyone would do and necessarily feel they get something from because I think it is a very personal thing and I think if you're if you're a bit more if you're a bit more um resilient to that stuff and a bit you question things a bit more Mm -hmm. then you're probably not going to have the same experience I did I do 
Absolutely. It's a case of openness as it is with anything of that nature, anything that has any sort of spirituality, spirituality even attached to it. You know, it, the more open you go into it, I think the more you're going to find uh, a result will be there. Whereas if you go in with a closed mind, which is why I don't think I've ever done it because I have been wholeheartedly skeptical of them. I've never done it because I just think, well, I'm going into this uh, as a, just not believing it's going to work. So it's not going to work. Um, yeah. What I would ask is, do you do you genuinely feel like they have some kind of, and, and this is what interests me, this is the thing that genuinely does interest me about stuff like this, is do you feel it has some kind of mythical proportion to it where the tarot cards can actually predict uh, events or, or sort of warning signs or potential obstacles in the future, or do you see it more as a, a way of uh, you are talking to yourself and you are maybe projecting from your subconscious to to have a conversation with yourself about things that are going on with you at the moment and things that you are maybe subconsciously um, thinking or contemplating for your future. So I think it's a, a bit of both, which mm. I know seems like a really cop-out answer. But no. the reason I say both is because um, a couple of years ago, I... When I used to get my tarot read quite regularly by this woman in um, mm. this place in Manchester. And there's the very last reading I had with her, there was things that she said in that that have happened. Mm-hmm. So I think if someone else is doing a reading for you in terms of looking at the future and maybe thinking of, obstacles that might come up or things that might happen mm-hmm. I found I get a much better and more accurate reading when someone else reads my cards for me whereas with me it's more current things like yeah. right now what is it that's stopping me from moving forward it's not necessarily I don't re- I rarely read my cards where it's the future mm-hmm. I tend to read my cards and do spreads that are more relevant to the present. Yeah. Um, And I've always found that the answers I've got have been pretty spot on, to be honest. And that's, that's where I'm coming from in the sense that to me, from, from my, my skepticals, as much as I would like to believe in the mythical qualities of of it, I, I, I I don't, you know, as it's, it's in the same way that I would like to believe in a lot of things. I, I am the veritable Fox Mulder, of my existence I'm I would tell you what here's a little here's a little um like experiment you could try okay sure so one thing um that I use a lot is um crystals as well like mm-hmm. um so I think one of the most interesting things you could do is when things are up and back to normal mm-hmm. if there's a shop where you live that sells crystals don't read anything about what they stand for or anything like that before you go okay just go to this shop and just look and just pick up a crystal that you you'll feel drawn to one of them Mm -hmm. just pick it up and even if you don't buy it just note down the name and then when you get home read up and find out what it's like spiritual energies are okay um and the reason i say that is because there's been times i don't claim to be a massive crystal expert i really Mm -hmm. don't um, but there's been times in the past when I've gone shopping for things and I've popped into the crystal shop and there's been a certain crystal I've been drawn to. 
and I've not known anything about it. And then when I've got it on and looked into it, it's the crystal that you you kind of need in that moment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like there was a time when I was really struggling with um, my confidence and I was really on edge. Mm-hmm. And I went out and bought this little orange crystal and it turned out to be carnelian. And carnelian is really good for giving you a positive energy and helping you feel less anxious and less stressed. So what I would say to you is, yeah, I suppose with tarot, it could just be the process of kind of going through the actual reading that makes me clear my mind and see messages that might not necessarily be there. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can relate to them because it makes sense with something in my head. But the whole crystal thing is interesting because there'll be like a certain crystal you'll be drawn to and you won't know why. But actually, when you look into it, it'll be linked to something that you didn't realize was bothering you or it might be you've had a you know like if you're struggling financially um or you're feeling a bit sensitive you there'll be a reason why you've been drawn to that particular crystal so I just think that would be a really interesting thing for you to do next time see I so this is the thing okay I will I will go on record and say that I will try this um and I like the idea of where you're coming from in terms of not doing any background research, not looking into things, because I think that would sort of be a, a negative influence on the experiment. And I think that would kind of throw any sort of just and uh, actual results out the window. If you know that, you know, if you know a background of it and you know what certain things do or what properties certain things have, and then you are just, um, on some level consciously and subconsciously looking for that and that's what you would go for whereas I think that the better thing would be as you say to kind of just go in see what you are drawn to and try it and see what happens and Mm -hmm. then kind of match if anything does happen match your experiences with what the intention and purpose of that is yeah because then you're not having a bias you're not you're not kind of saying this happened because you're expecting this to happen because that's what it's supposed to do yeah um yeah okay i i think i will i will take you up on that um uh, and and i will go in and and have no expectations and just see what happens do you think that you were drawn uh, like and this is this is opening it up to a much bigger sort of universal spectrum of conversation but do you think that exists that we are drawn to certain things that we are meant to encounter certain things we're meant to meet certain people we're meant to be at certain places in certain time like the idea of kismet or destiny or purpose do you think that is an actual thing that exists I I do yeah because I think as much as as much as happens has happened in my past personally mm-hmm. And as horrible as some of those things have been, everything that's happened has led me somewhere else. And it's it's where I've needed to be. And it might not have felt it at the time, but those things needed to have happened for me to learn new things about myself or mm. gain new insights. So yeah, to a certain extent, I do, I, I do believe there's a plan for everyone. Mm-hmm. like I, I think you can control some some things um but you can't control everything 
but I'm also a great believer in what you put out into the world is also what you get back to a certain extent. And I think if you're going to be the kind of person who's going around, going to go around being hateful, disrespectful, um, ignorant, you're only going to end up being miserable and having nothing but bad luck or what seems to be bad luck because all you're doing is giving off the impression of not giving a shit basically and you know I think if you if you're a bit um I think it's one of the reasons I'm drawn to wicker as well is like this this whole focus on like noticing and acknowledging the changing of the seasons and the changes that happen not only with the environment around you but what what changes within you because mm-hmm. if you think about it, when a new year starts, we all set out with the best intentions of, oh, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to do this more. And then it kind of wavers off. Whereas if you're actively taking notice and change, like being more aware of the surroundings and what's going on around you, you're more likely to be a bit more proactive and a bit more um, willing to learn and change and adapt do you consider because because Wicca is as as far as I can tell is viewed as a religion? Do you find that that is a religion that you identify with? Like if you if you were to fill out like a application form or a consensus, and that was an option under religion, would you would you take that or is are you sort of removed from it to that point? I would say it's a religion, um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily say it's like any other religion. Like I don't have to go to a church every week. I don't have to pray to God's or whatever I don't believe in. And that's the thing about Wicca, like you don't necessarily have to like give honour to the gods and goddesses. As long as you go through life and you treat other people and animals and nature with respect, then you're living by the Wiccan read, essentially. Like you're not you're not doing anything dangerous to yourself or anybody else, to your body, to the environment, to animals. You're not it is a religion, but not in the sense that you go into a building and chant. Sure. You don't like, follow a particular dogma and, and kind of fill particular yeah, roles. And it's, it's, um, it's adaptable as well. So you can, you can look at deities and like honor them if you want to, because like mm. depending on, because there's um, sabbats and espats in Wicca, which is basically like the wheel of the year. So, like, obviously, probably the one most popular ones, two popular ones that people know are um, Samhain, which is October, Halloween, mm-hmm. and Yule, which is December, which is Christmas. I mean, what we know as Christmas and Halloween all stayed, started off as pagan traditions. It's just the Christian and Catholic churches adapted them and made them their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain deities you can honour or say a spell for during those times you don't always have to do it and it doesn't matter whether the, the god or whether it's a god or a goddess because sex is irrelevant like if, if in that moment there's a certain deity you feel drawn to that you feel like you want to pray like say a prayer to or pray with or ask to look over you can do you don't have to go forward just worshiping that one deity you can it's adaptable so you, you don't you don't, and you don't even necessarily have to do that. Like I've not worshipped any deity or anything yet, but there's certain things I've done that would be classed as like a ritual, mm-hmm. but it's not been in the sense of like, like I said, burning something in a cauldron or 
sitting <laughs> naked in a can a circle of candles, nothing like that. Like once it was just um Kyle and I had both been feeling a bit anxious and negative and with everything that was going on and we just felt really run down. So I just looked into like herbs that are good for getting rid of like negativity and help with positivity and help you feel warm and loved and everything like that. And I made a meal and I just used those herbs and thing ingredients in that meal. And mm-hmm. whether it was, it probably, I mean, it probably wasn't even the herbs I used or anything, but because it was just the act of doing something with the intention of making us right. both feel good, it made us feel better. See, so it's not necessarily in the sense of you do, if you put in two pinches of this and a pinch of that and stir it <laughs> clockwise five times, it's going to get rid of all your bad luck. Like, no, I think some of it's a lot about the intention. And from that intention, you kind of bring energy and then other people feel don't feed off that energy, if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, it does. And, and it's those sort of values and elements to me, which seem to draw a kind of parallel to like Buddhism in the sense that there yeah. is no, no fixed template. There is no fixed um, dogmatic structure, but there is this idea of, as you say, intention and, and energy, um, which is at the, the core of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just about, like I said, you know, just honoring yourself and being respectful of the environment and the people around you and and like I think one of the biggest fears about people who don't know what Wicca is is they just instantly assume you worship the devil or you do spells naked in the woods and things like that and whilst there probably are people who do do those things it's not what the religion is about at all it's just about honoring the natural world honouring yourself, honouring other people, being respectful. Do you think that is, is like a, a, a popular misconception? Do you think too many people like attach ideas of like uh, occultism and occult imagery and that end of the spectrum as, as the sort of front end of, of Wicca? Yeah, definitely. And I think like, I mean, I was always quite close to my mum and dad and they were always both pretty open-minded but I remember even when I was younger and I was interested in all of this, I still felt apprehensive about telling them about it mm-hmm. because I didn't want my mum, especially because my mum was very Catholic. I think she would have been a bit like, oh, is that, does that mean you worship Satan? And she probably would have got the completely wrong impression of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why it's important if someone does ask you is just to tell them and inform them because a lot of it isn't coming from a place of malice. It's just misunderstanding, like people don't understand and they want to. So the best thing you can do is just say, well, no, it's not like that. It's like this, actually, but I'm not going to shove it down anyone's throat. So I'll make anyone else believe in what I believe in because it's not for everyone. Yeah, and and it, it is, and this is this is why I wanted to talk to you about it because, like, as I say, I'm coming at it from from an absolute layman's point of view. Like, I I know very surface value stuff, um, and I think just because of general perception, from what I've seen, general perception is to attach the actual witchcraft aspect of it and and the the ritual in the sense that, as you say, the um, the, the imagery of um, you know sitting in a circle of candles, pentagrams, 
burning shit and you know and and, and don't get me wrong there is a lot of that to yeah. it and you can do that but the thing I love about it is it's just so adaptable you can make it so your own if that makes sense like you can make it completely yours so it feels something so personal mm-hmm. but something I do and I, I would do isn't necessarily what another wicker wick, would do they do it completely different mm-hmm. it's like I'm a part of a like um, a group which is filled with like it's just like a group for wickers basically um, and there's people on there who do do the whole like full-blown ritual where they'll you know make a pentagram on the floor they'll light candles they'll walk in a set amount of circles and 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 they'll do that and that's fine that's their prerogative that's how they feel that they connect with whatever they want to connect with but that's just not for me personally I just rather use it I mean it's just simple things and that's one of the things I've been learning a bit because I bought two books on like being a green witch and a house witch um and the interesting thing about being a house witch is it's just little simple things you can do in your home to make it feel how you want it to feel so it can be something as little as once you've cleaned right through your flat just go around with some lit stage in your room in your rooms to get rid of some negative like get rid of any negative energy mm-hmm. And then lighting a white candle by your door because the colour white in magic represents like cleansing. So it's a very cleansing, it's like a very cleansing colour. So if you light a white candle by your door, the idea is it gets rid of any negative energy that comes in that anyone might bring in. Mm-hmm. It's getting dissipated in that, with that candle. The is that with, something you've done yourself? I've never done that, no, but I have made, I made a little spell jar that was basically um it's basil leaf chamomile flowers rose petals and um I think it's an amethyst and I've just put it in a little jar that I've put by the door because all those things together um are meant to encourage like a clean cleansed positive atmosphere in your house mm-hmm. um, and it's it can even just be as simple as um using like if you want to like with, if you feel like sometimes I don't know, have you ever walked in a room that's been empty and something's just fell off? Like you just it probably, just, but oh. I can't recall. I can't pinpoint a particular memory which which jumps out at me. But chances are that has happened at some point. So some people might can might see that as it's you've walked into a room and it's got a bit of negative energy. Mm-hmm. So like being a house which can doing doing something as little as opening the window and then lighting some sage and going around the room mm-hmm. it's still classed as like magic or a ritual mm-hmm. but it's not full-blown you know at 7 p.m under the light of the moon <laughs> it's nothing it's nothing like that it's just little simple things you can do that incorporate for me anyway that allows me to incorporate or try to incorporate as much as possible in my everyday life so it's almost like I'm not practicing my religion it's just a routine if that it, makes sense. yeah you're making you're making adaptations and, and adjustments to to things and and i guess this is also like filed under the the idea of like intent it's like you don't i mean correct please do correct me if i'm wrong but i'm just i'm presuming 
you, you do a lot of these under the guise of intent. It's not that you, you think doing this is going to have that mythical aspect. It's going to break through like an ethereal barrier and bring in like a, a, an external change. But it's more a case of I'm actually doing something that I think is positive and could have a positive effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you said something really interesting there. It's like, I think with things like this, it's if, and, and sadly, there are people out there who think that it will have an external impact and mm-hmm. they're doing a spell and it's going to work and that person's going to fall in love with you or whatever. I don't, I think a lot of this does come from intention. But I think by having that int- intention on the inside helps you externalize that if that makes sense. So if you're, if you're just really woe despaired with the world at the minute, you know, a wicker might sit down and go, Oh, well, I'm going to do a a spell and I'm going to do an incantation and I want it to say this. And it's the intent of just bringing peace to this person or these people. It won't necessarily skip thousands of miles and hit the person it's meant to hit. And that person's going to have no problems. Right. But if they're sat having that intent that they're going to be peaceful and want to bring peace, then the chances are that when they've done that, they're going to feel more peaceful in themselves and more willing to listen or whatever. And then that's going to have a knock-on effect with anyone else they come into contact with because that person's very calm, very together. So other people are going to feed off that energy and think, oh, well, that's a really good way of looking at it. I'm going to try and be calm and listen a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, for sure. It, it's it's more about the intent within with the with the idea of making it um an external thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not something you do in intention and you just know it's gonna happen. Right. It's not about that. It's more about the feeling that's in you when you do it and kind of carrying that forward so that other people feel that from you as well. And it's like when you go to a restaurant and you have a bad experience. You don't just tell one person, you tell 10 people. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It's kind of like that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like it, a knock-on effect. Yeah. Basically, it's like hopefully like a domino effect. Like if you, I am, I'm, a, I'm a very firm believer that what you put out in this world is what you get back, which I know seems weird because no, I've, had, I've had a shitty few years and I would say I'm not a bad person. Mm-hmm. So someone might say, oh, well, why would you say that when those things have happened to you? But I don't think those things will happen, happen to me because I was being punished. Those things just happened because that was life and that was the hand I've been dealt. Mm-hmm. And I had to deal with those things. And like I said, as horrible as those things were, they had to happen to make me who I am today. And again, to go back to your domino effect, the way that you've reacted to that could be what sort of perpetuates what happens next you know if you if you took on board a a series of negative experiences and you know understandably a number of people have and then have turned those into negative experiences because they they just don't know how to deal with with the things they face and you know that's completely understandable everyone's situation is different but that could be what propels further things and, and goes back to the idea as you say of a domino effect yeah because I think one of the things I always try and remind myself is I don't have any control over anything or anyone else. Mm-hmm. I only have control over how I react to things. So if something bad happens, if I react to it in a 
in a kind of knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. and don't think, then that's going to make me um, think that that's the best way to behave every time something goes wrong. And then before you know it, you, you, you're dealing with things, negative things, in a negative way. So you're not seeing any kind of positive outcome to it. Whereas if you take a bit of time and, and this kind of, this is where I feel a bit conflicted because this kind of lends its hand more to Buddhism than it does Wicca. But Buddhists believe that if you're hurt by something or something really hurts you, they don't want you to ignore that hurt or pretend it never happened. They want you to sit with that pain. Mm-hmm and understand it because Mm -hmm. it's only by understanding it that you can then move forward and that you shouldn't you should always acknowledge bad and negative and painful things that happen you shouldn't pretend they don't happen because they're part of you you need to acknowledge it sit with it learn what it feels like and then go forward and think right so I know what that feels like now so I can go forward and hopefully if anything like that happens again I'll know how to deal with it because I know how it feels. And it's not just something I've pushed to the back of my mind and I've pretended has never happened. And it's a hard process because there's some things that are hard to sit with and are hard to come to terms with, especially if you've got feelings of guilt or wishing you would have done more. And it is a hard thing to do, but it's a really important process, I think, if you're going to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I I really identify with with that a lot, especially within the last year. Um, the the idea of of just not trying to just quickly get over painful things it instinctively is. I mean, you cut your hand, your instinctive move is to clean out the wound, get it bandaged up, mm-hmm. as you should do if you do physically hurt yourself. Yeah. But in terms of emotional, we kind of have the same response as well. Naturally, we get hurt. We want to get past it as soon as possible. Of um, course, of course, because it's such, pain is such an uncomfortable and unique thing. Like how I feel pain of something isn't how you'd feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think it it is hard. I'm sure you've been there before anyway, where you've had something happen. It's just oh. been so hard and you just don't know what to do. All you know is that you just don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm-hmm. You just fake happy, pretend everything's okay. And then by doing that, all that inevitably happens, as is what happened with me, a year or six months down the line, it hits you like a ton of bricks and you end up on your knees at rock bottom again, wondering how you was here. When actually, if you would have just taken that time to be kind to yourself in the first instance and actually just sat with the pain, acknowledged it and let yourself feel it, then those things wouldn't happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, as I say, it is hard. Your instinct is to get past it, but I think you kind of have to sit with it. I think that's the the, the only way to to deal with it and to sort of take something from it is is to allow yourself to to be emotionally 
open and vulnerable. Um, there's, there's, a, there's an idea of emotional allowance, which I think we all, and I'm very, very much including myself here, mm-hmm. tend to sort of deny ourselves. Um, and it's something I'm still very much working on. Um, I am conscious of it. I'm cognizant of, of it being something that is of benefit to me and that I need to sort of adapt more to. But um, mm-hmm. I'm in the process of actually still uh, allowing myself to feel pain when I feel when I when I when I have that pain when I feel sad when I feel lonely when I feel frustrated um I I, I have to allow myself or I have to be conscious of, of the, the the importance of allowing myself to feel that and do you know it's um that's normal and it's it's mm-hmm. it's not something that you just do once and then that's it you, you you're like the, the, the queen of like emotions like you know how no. to handle because you don't but I think as long as you at some point or another if you've had some kind of pain in your life or there's something you've got a lot of anger about or guilt or just heartbreak you, you're gonna have to sit with that eventually in your life whether mm. it's now or a bit further down the line but I do think it's so important that people do do that and it like you said it's not the most comfortable thing it's so painful to relive things again but it's so important to helping you understand not only yourself but what happened and coming to terms with it not that you'll get closure from everything because you won't there'll Mm -hmm. be some things you always go through life thinking if I would have done this or if I would have done that or if I should have if I would if I should have said the, the other like that's that's human human behavior that's normal but I do think it's important for you to just for people to sit with that sometimes. And I think that's the problem a lot of people have. If it if it makes you uncomfortable in any way, you don't want to engage with it. Yeah, you don't. Um, but as we said, I think you have to. I, I'm coming to the to the summary and it's it's something again that I have to keep reminding myself and that I have to kind of keep um making myself consciously aware of is is that there are things in life um that you either go through or they go through you mm-hmm. and it's not easy to to navigate either but if you can kind of try and just sit with it and, and go through it and feel it and and just immerse yourself in the good the bad the the difficult the enlightening aspects of of the things we go through the, the sort of trials and tribulation and, and trauma of, of things that people on a, on a grand scale experience mm-hmm. um it, it not only helps in the long run and as you say you don't get closure from everything there are a lot of things which will always be an open wound to some degree mm-hmm. but you can extract so much from that open wound in in a positive light as well as a negative light but even if it is just negative it helps you find um, a deeper understanding of your own potential when it comes to empathy and and relating to other people and and building forward from where you go on from that point yeah and I'm really glad you touched on that because that is one thing I would say is like obviously life's not perfect no one's given a handbook to life when they're born with all the answers to it not everything's going to be perfect. Things aren't going to turn out the way you hoped they would. I mean, the way my life is now is completely different to the life I thought I'd have when I was 17, when I right. thought about how my life would be when I was 35. It's not how it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying I'm not happy because I am. I'm the happiest I've been in a long time right now. 
but you if you go through life with one idea of what life is and what life's got to be you're going to be really really hurt because things Mm. don't always turn out the way you want it to no Mm. one has all the answers but if you if something does happen that hurts you if you sit with that and understand it like you said it does make you a bit more emphatic towards other people and instead of just jumping to conclusions instead of being quick to snap because you think someone's being rude or whatever you kind of take a step back and think well why are they being like that is there something going on I'll need to change my approach if I'm going to speak to them about this because there's obviously something going on there that they're not letting on about and it makes it easier for you to kind of read people and be more aware of what they are it's like you get better with your emotional intelligence Mm-hmm. And that's a great phrase that I, I I love and would like to see used more in, and put more into conversations because it's a very real thing. Um, emotional intelligence, you know, we, we start off with very minimal as a child. And then as we go through life and we go through experiences and we have views and values form in, into, into who we are, we grow and we become smarter in terms of intelligence uh, on an emotional scale. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's It's just applying that emotional intelligence in, in the best way that you can which which helps us all really yeah it does I want to move on to something that is, I, I imagine, and again, I, I can't say from first-hand experience, but hopefully you'll be able to, to fill in the gaps in that sense, but something that I imagine is kind of empowering, and that's pole dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is something that you have dabbled in um, and, and thrown yourself into in the past, um, and I, I just kind of wanted to kind of jump into that and again, see what drew you to that and what you've what you've got from doing that. Um, so for me, it was more about trying to find because I hate going to the gym I really just hate going to the gym I find it so boring or I get really annoyed because there's like some guy there with like just flexing flexing with like you know the guys that have muscles that big that they have to turn the whole body to look somewhere yeah like they can't move the neck it's like either guys like that looking in the mirror smiling at themselves whilst they're doing weights or I just get bored of it. So I just wanted to find something that would allow me to get in shape that would yeah. be fun. Um, so I went to a pole fitness class, which uh-huh. is basically where you learn tricks and stuff to do on the pole. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it involves a lot of like core strength and like upper body strength. Um, so I just really got into it and really liked it. And I thought like the group the place where I go to do it the group of women are so awesome they're like it's just so many women of different like shapes and sizes but you all support each other there's no hate there's no like bitchiness or clickiness it's just a group of really tough women supporting mm-hmm. each other so I kind of fell in love with that side a bit more than I actually sure. the the thing I've, I actually prefer like because I've not been to a pole fitness class for ages like I, I was doing aerial hoop again before I went on my holiday uh, mm-hmm. but then obviously all this has happened but I love aerial hoop but I found such a passion for like dancing so I do a lot of burlesque classes um 
and I just love them. Like I just love being able to tell a story through dance. I know it sounds really arty far. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you say when you say it like that, yeah, it kind of does. It's it's bordering on the line of interpretive dance, but no, I know what you mean. But it's like it's good because it's with the good thing about burlesque is it can either be very like tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. or it can be really like slowed down and and sexy. And to be honest, they're words that freaked me out when I first heard them because it's like awkward, isn't it? Like how often are you told to? embrace and sexy yeah embrace your body and feel sexy it's like a foreign concept mm-hmm. um but it makes you appreciate what you've got and your body shape and and like sometimes you can be a bit down on yourself like you can think oh I ate a whole pizza last night and I'm really trying to lose weight but with this group of women and like going to these classes it's never about how you look it's about how you feel and they want mm-hmm. you to feel good in the skin you've got they don't want you to come and think oh well you can do this but you'll only feel sexy if you do this dance when you've lost 10 10 stone it right women of all shapes and sizes can feel sexy and embrace it and it, it becomes comes to a point where you actually think oh well you know what all right I am I'm, a, I'm not as awkward as I thought I can be a bit sexy and it just kind of makes you feel good in yourself um so I really like that about it. When all this stops, actually, I'm going to start going back to like my classes because I've really missed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just great fun. Like, like aerial hoop is mental because it's basically just like a hula hoop. Not a hula hoop, it's stronger, but it's basically like a hula hoop dangling off two bits of string in the air and you climb into it and you do little like yoga poses in the pole, in the hoop, sorry. And it, it's it's scary, but it's good. And it's crazy how much muscle and like core strength you build doing it. Because you don't realise it at the time, but you'll wake up the day after with bruises all on the back of your legs and your stomach feeling like you've been punched about 20,000 times. But <laughs> it's it's so much fun. Like, And when you do a move that you didn't think you'd ever be able to do and then you actually manage it, it makes you feel like a ninja. It's awesome. <laughs> So it is giving you a sense of, of like progression, like personal physical progression, obviously, because you you were training your body to do things that you couldn't do previous until you've, you've practiced these routines, these techniques, and yeah. you were seeing a sense of strength growth. But it seems like you're also seeing a, a growth in strength in terms of, of the mental as well. Like it seems to me, and again, I'm, I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective, but it seems like it is a really good thing for in terms of empowering somebody and boosting their self-esteem. And especially if you are doing it in, in an environment in which all body types are welcomed and there's a sense of camaraderie and encouragement. It seems to me, again, from the outsider's perspective, that this is a real source of, of empowerment and, and growth physically mentally emotionally spiritually I guess as well it really really is and it really does make a huge difference like for me as well it's helped me massively with my anxiety like I know it might not seem it but because we've been friends for so long like Mm -hmm. I can I can talk to you about anything and everything yeah I've always struggled with making conversation with like people I don't know that well so if I go into like if, if if there's a work night out 
I'll go, but I might not be as talkative as I am with like people I know because I feel like worried about saying the wrong thing or maybe they don't have my sense of humor or what if I say something stupid. Sure. Whereas going to these classes and because I'm meeting so many different people, it, it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and made me force myself to basically learn small talk and have conversations and I was getting a bit more confident in that because I've got this whole hang up as well with like phone calls with work like if I'm in the office and I have to make a phone call I hate it like I hate, oh, I hate it too yeah. like I hate it I don't want anyone hearing what I'm saying I'm worried that I'll say the wrong thing I feel like I have to write a script before I get on the phone and that's <laughs> not it's not healthy that is it like it's not normal so this was helping me a lot with that side of things as well, like having conversations with people and kind of coming a bit more confident in my talking skills, I guess. <laughs> you are now applying here. I can Excellent. talk very well. <laughs> I, I can do the talks. So good. I has confused. I has confused. I can do talks. Um, but to me, it, it does seem a very positive in influence and, and a sort of greet, greet. Now I can't even talk. My talking skills need some some work. Um, it seems like a, a great catalyst for, for empowerment, as I say, in, in a number of factions and, and sort of facilitations. But to me, it seems as if, and, and it's really nice to hear that you found a group that is very encouraging and comforting of people of different body types and, and image. Because I, and again, speaking from an outsider's perspective, but somebody who has grown up um, under under women, grown mm. um, in a house with two women, raised by two women, it's it's helped. I think definitely give me a, a better perspective of of what women encounter and what women go through without having that experience, which is something I can never have. Um, but it's, it's helped me realize uh, a lot of things. And one thing that it's helped me realize um, is, is the scrutiny that, that women have been put under for God knows how long. And a big part of that scrutiny comes from image mm-hmm. and what a woman looks like or more to the point, what women are, quote unquote, supposed to look like, like beauty standards and what have you, which we're seeing a seismic shift in in that now in terms of, of the parameters being blown open yeah. and that not everyone is a certain size or has to be a certain size. Um, but to me, it seems that pole fitness and pole dancing and that whole sphere is, is really good for people that do have it, self-esteem issues with their image. Yeah, it is. And I think, but the only thing I would say is I still think there's a lot of stigma attached to pole. Um, yeah. So as soon as you say you, you go to pole classes, people go, oh, you're a stripper. It really gets my back up because there are like some of my tutors are strippers mm. and some of them are lap dancers, but that doesn't make them low level scum or anything like that. It doesn't make them slutty. It doesn't make them easy. And it doesn't mean that they can be degraded or talked about in derogatory mm-hmm. ways because of what they do as a job. Like there's still a whole stigma attached to it that if you do poll, you must be a slut and you must be easy. And it's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. And do you know what? Even if women do want to be strippers and pole dancers, who are you to judge them? At least they're going out and making money and earning their own money in their own way mm-hmm. with their own you know, like rules and everything in place. Like 
You've got no right to make a judgment on someone just because of what they do. Absolutely not. It's also this kind of mentality that people who do it are stupid as well. But there's like two of the tutors at the place I go to both have degrees. Mm-hmm. Really, really smart, well-read women. Mm-hmm. It's just this whole, that because of what they do, you do get stigma from men and women that just instantly assume you've got no brain and you just like taking your clothes off. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. And this is, this is another reason why I wanted to bring this up because I do see that myself. I see that, that, that again, that sphere and just the sex industry as a whole is really stigma mm-hmm. as, as being for people of low morals, low intelligence, um, low ethical um, behaviors. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a case of, of tiring individuals, um, with the same brush uh, for, for no purpose. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very much of the um, off-the-camp sex work is real work, and sex workers deserve the same rights and protection as someone who works in an office because some of those women choose to do it mm-hmm. and some of those women have no choice but to do it because it's the mm-hmm. only way they can earn money. And I don't think people should be casting aspersions on them or preconceptions without knowing little about their past. Exactly. Again, it's it's a case of just ca- categorizing based on on stigmas, on assumptions, and without ever looking past the surface value. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I, I genuinely think that uh, there's a, there's a sense of empowerment to it. I genuinely do see that, you know, um, from from all aspects, mental it, and and physical. It, it's really great. It's. It's like the physical equivalent of watching an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, you can go in there, you can, because I have my classes after work sometimes, and work would have been full on, I would have had a long day. Sometimes I'll leave work and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can be bothered going. I'm tired, I just want to go home. But I always push myself to go. And by the end of that hour, I come out and I feel, if I could do them, I'd be doing backflips because I just feel so great. I feel better in myself. I feel more clear headed. I feel more relaxed. I feel less stressed, but I leave there feeling beautiful. And whilst my beautiful isn't everyone's perception of beautiful, I feel beautiful in myself. And that's all that matters to me at the end of the day. I don't give a shit if someone's going to take offense to the fact to go to a pole fitness class that's their own issues and insecurities they have to deal with if they're making judgments about someone who does it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it does make me feel so much better. And it's like watching Drag Race because I watch Drag Race and I feel so empowered at the end of an episode because some of those drag queens are fierce <laughs> and I love their energy <laughs> and I love the way they carry themselves. And I just think, yeah, why not love yourself? And that's the thing, shouldn't we be promoting things that can instill that in people, that can reinforce that that sense of, of confidence and positivity in people? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think, well, I would hope that we would, but I know that, I think it's always going to have that stigma attached to it, unfortunately. But for me, I've always had positive experiences. And would you, if someone was contemplating it, if someone, if this reaches somehow somebody who's maybe been contemplating it, but been putting it off, maybe because of the stigmas attached, or maybe because they are feeling um, pretty low on themselves at the minute in terms of, of how they are mentally or, or their physical appearance and how they perceive themselves, 
Mm-hmm. What would you What would you say to them? I would say if it's something you want to try, then maybe get in touch with someone you know who goes to the classes anyway, because it can be a bit daunting walking in there, not knowing mm. anyone, and it can be a bit intimidating. So if you know someone who goes to a class, ask if you can go along with them, and even if you just try it out once, at least you've given it a try, and you know that you'll whether you'll like it or not at the end. That's all mm. I can say. But I know a lot of people that have gone to just one class and they've been going religiously every week now. Um, and I think a lot of it, like I said, it's not necessarily the, the exercise itself is fun. Some of it can be uncomfortable and painful because, I mean, there's one there's one thing you have to do where you have to climb up the pole. But you have to hold the pole with the weight, like using your thighs. So you're holding yourself onto the pole with nothing but your thighs. So if you think of the amount of muscle strength that takes and the amount of burning you get, it can be uncomfortable and it can be painful. But for me, it's more about the people that are there and the teachers and the way they interact with us and make us feel that even if you do a simple move that might seem overly complex to you, they'll make you feel like you've done the most complex move ever because you've, you've, it's something you've struggled with and you've, you've, um, what's the word? Overcome. Yeah. You've overcome it. You've, you've, you've achieved it mm-hmm. and it can be so elating. Like there's a thing you do in, um, in aerial hoop and it's one of the ways to get into the hoop is basically you put your hands on the hoop and kind of like flip your legs over your head to put your legs onto the onto the hoop if that makes sense it's yeah, called a hock. It sounds, sounds uncomfortable as hell it's, but yeah, um, it makes it's, sense. it's called a hocks hang but you basically hang off the hoop with you the, the back of your legs like the back of your knees you bend your legs and you're essentially staying on the hoop because you've got your legs bent at the knees and it's called a hocks hang and I've struggled with them for ages because it's one of the easiest ways to get in the hoop but I just couldn't do it and I kept practicing for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I just, I got this one lesson. I just got it. And I was so happy. I was so happy. I was like, I never thought I'd be able to do it. And I've managed it. And I felt so good. So it's not even like you have to come away doing all these complicated moves and tricks. If you can just do one thing, it's amazing how good that can make you feel. And they're always really nice as well. So if you want them to get a picture of you while you're doing it, then you've got the memory that you've done it. So even if you can't do it the next week because your legs are hurting too much, you know you've done it and you know you can do it again. And and to be honest, I think that is that's a major selling point. And I think if anyone is listening and they've been considering it, I think that alone is is probably going to convert a lot of people to at least, as you say, try it. Because that idea, the idea of, of growth and, and realizing and recognizing what your own potential can accomplish is, is an amazing thing. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is, it, is it's really good because a lot of the classes are, they'll do like new, beginner to intermediate and then intermediate to advanced. But there's people of different levels there, but you never feel like you're competing with anyone because everyone just mm-hmm. encourages each other. And it's, it's great, honestly. I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone.
so there you go that was me talking to the always wonderful gina my sister from another mister hopefully you got even just a little smidge of the enjoyment i did and when i got to sit down and chat with her about all of that stuff and some good stuff in there it's quite the spectrum of conversation speaking of which next week is another episode with another special guest. I am going to be sitting down and recounting a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with a wonderful woman by the name of Labou. I know Labou from doing Camp Gladiator fitness classes. And as I said at the top of the show, coming here, adjusting, not the easiest of things to do, to process, to go through, but it is made a hell of a lot easier when you have people that are open, kind and caring and embracing and Labou fits all of those categories. It's been um, a definite highlight in my American life thus far. And she was kind enough to lend me some time. We sat down and we talked about a whole range of things. It gets a little heavy, but it gets heavy because it needs to get heavy at the moment. We need to be having serious, heavy conversations and we need to keep them ongoing. So yeah, next week we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the stuff that's been happening these last few weeks going to be talking about racial division in the country, the state of the union, as it were. But there's also some fun stuff as well. We talk about um, Dracula's grave, Euro Disney, and how terrifying it is to be a child when confronted by a human dressed in a mascot suit. Like the kind of thing you would find at Euro Disney or a Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, so yeah, it's quite a wide spectrum of conversation, which this whole show is becoming... And that's what I wanted, and that's what I'm getting. So I'm happy, and hopefully you guys are happy too. If you have been happy with what you've heard so far, which, you know, hoping that is the case, then the best thing you can do is subscribe via whatever platform you actually get this from. That way you never miss a show, and you don't have to do any work. So it's a win-win. The other thing that you can do if you have been enjoying this, and that would help me out enormously, is to give us a rating and a review if said platform actually does ratings and reviews. I know that Apple Podcasts do ratings and reviews, so you could definitely do us a huge favour by giving us a rating and a review on that. But if you can find other places or whatever, then then yeah, any sense of encouragement or support is always welcome, not just for my own self-esteem, but for the success of the show. So if you are enjoying what you've heard in our few episodes, in our infancy, and you want to see us progress and do more, then yeah, that is a huge, huge help. As is spreading the word. If you have enjoyed this, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the animals that you are stuck in quarantine with. And, you know, anyone, spread the word. It always helps. If you want to get in touch with the show, just to say hi, to say that I'm enjoying it, that I'm not enjoying it. If you're going to do that, though, don't be a dick about it. Be nice. Or if you've got suggestions for topics for future episodes, stuff that you want to hear then by all means, get in touch. And the best way to do so is over on Twitter. You can find me at I am Mal Foster. So yeah, you want to say hi? You want to say, I'd like this? I could do with a little more of that. Maybe this. I never want to hear you say that again. Whatever it is, you know, you can you can speak freely, but just, you know, be nice. Which is, let's be honest, a general rule we should all be applying, especially now. Anyway, that is the best way to get in touch with me. That's the best way you can help. And uh, yeah, if you have been enjoying it, then we've got plenty more good stuff coming your way, including, get this, an episode with my mum. How cool is that? I spoke to her earlier this week. I asked her if she wanted to be on the show and she said, yeah, all right. So that's happening. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, I have an idea of what that is going to entail. I'm going to ask her some sort of probing questions, some big life questions. We're going to get into some some universal topics. And then who knows what else will happen. Um, I don't, but I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully you guys are too. I mean, why wouldn't you be? It's going to be great. And if you haven't subscribed already, then that is your reason to. You don't want to miss out on that. Me sitting down with my mum talking about universal life stuff. The big questions. And also probably the little pointless ones as well. With um, maybe some embarrassing anecdotes. Who knows what she's going to bring to the table. She might just use this as a platform to tell the most embarrassing stories. Who knows? But that's that's incentive, right? That's what I think they call in the biz a hook. So yeah. Huh. It's gonna be gonna be pretty interesting, I think. Anyway, this is it for this episode. I'm gonna leave you to go about the rest of your day. Hopefully it's gonna be a great one. If not, don't worry. There's always tomorrow. Um in the meantime, thank you as always for listening and for the support with this. Uh look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time, keep it dimed out. Mm-hmm.